His name is Jesus. We're starting a new series today called His Name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Each of us possesses a name, don't we? Given by our parents or perhaps by another person, a grandparent. And names mean so much. You know, biblically, we could go into, you know, so much some of you theologians out there know uh, how much names mean, uh, biblical names in the Bible. They were named because of a circumstance, you know, that was going on or, uh, you know, maybe because uh, of a a prophecy or something, uh, you know, that was spoken over someone and a name was given. A name is so significant. A name is significant. And for whatever reason and however you came by your name, there is probably some significance to your name. I mean, a lot of us have looked up maybe what our name means. We were talking about it the other day. My wife was talking to the kids about what her name means and uh, my daughter, what her name means. And names mean so much. And uh, we're going to talk over the next number of weeks leading up to Christmas about the name. Yeah, I was I was watching uh, some some college football yesterday, and I was trying to convince my daughter of the significance of the particular game that I was watching. Now she's not from uh, Ohio, so it didn't mean a lot to her. But you know, I'm from Ohio, so the Ohio State Michigan game was a big deal to me. You know, here in Indiana, we have the uh, IU Purdue game. And both of those games, I was on the edge of my seat, you know, till the, till the end of the game. You know, they were, they were very significant. And, um, you know, for, for us back, uh, you know, when I was growing up back in Columbus, uh, we, used to, we said that Ohio State had a lot of games during the year, but this is the game. You know, there's a lot of games, but the, even if we didn't go to the national championship or the Big Ten or whatever it was, the, this is the game. The coach for the Buckeyes could lose all of his games that year but if he beat Michigan, then we'd let him come back for another year. That was how important and significant uh, this game was. We called it the game. Well, you know, there's a lot of names all over the earth. I mean, people's names, names of all sorts of things. But this is the name. If there's no other name, this is the name that we want to have, this name of Jesus. And we want to understand the significance of this name. I want you this morning to turn to two scriptures, if you would. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 9, and then what I want you to do is turn to Isaiah 9, and I want you to put a little marker in Isaiah chapter 9. Now, I'm going to go through a few scriptures. It's not going to take very long, but I'm going to go through quite a few scriptures this morning. And you can turn to them if you want, but I really need you to turn to these two. Isaiah 9, put a little marker there if you have it, or fold your page over. Sometimes we call it a dog ear. Or if you have your device this morning, then you don't have to worry about it. So you just, you can go back and forth quickly. All right. And then the other one, if you have a paper Bible, is Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, that's where we're going to start. This name Jesus is in the New Testament 1,200 times. Did you know that? 1,200 times, 500 times in the gospel, you'll find the name of Jesus. Other names you might find twice or once or maybe even four or five times. Even the names of the disciples and apostles, you see them maybe 10, 12, 13 times. 1,200 
times. You think this name is significant? This name is the most recognizable name in every language. If you heard someone praying in a language other than yours, you probably, in most cases, would recognize the name Jesus when they said it in their language. It's recognizable. Even when people get angry, they don't say, oh, Buddha. They say, oh, Jesus. (laughs) Because it's the most recognizable name. People that don't even know Christ at times, will cry out, Jesus, not even knowing what the name means. They'll shout, Jesus. The point is, it is a very, very, very significant name. I used to love some of those hymns growing up. Some of you who have been around church for a while, uh, you know, will know what I'm talking about and I mean, even back when I was in Sunday school, uh, we used to sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. Why? For the Bible tells me so. There's one old hymn, uh, I think it's, uh, there's something about that name. You remember that? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like a fragrance. After the rain, Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms shall all pass away. But there's just something about that name. There's something about the name Jesus that has power, that has changing power that has delivering power and with that name comes the presence of Jesus he said where even if only two or three of you are gathered together if you are gathered in my name there I am in the midst there is something in the gateway in the the power in the access to heaven about this name because he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the key. He's the password. He's the window. He's the door. He's the revelation. Come on. He's the only way. There's something about the name Jesus. God's only son. He is our savior. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, not only do we understand that there's something about the name, but everyone will soon find out that there's something about the name Jesus. Bible says, therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above Every name. Oh, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. Every knee will bow to the name of Jesus. Everything that anyone calls on that's not Jesus will bow to the name of Jesus. 
Because He is bigger than we think. He is greater than anything we can ever comprehend. Nothing is beyond His ability. This name, Jesus. His name is Jesus. He's been called so many other names. All the things that are wrapped up in that name. He's been called things like the Lamb of God. Come on. He's been called the Lion of Judah, Morning Star, Word of Life. He's been called Dayspring. What about Shepherd, Messiah, Wonderful, Counselor, King of Kings, Emmanuel, that is God with us, not some distant God way up in the clouds somewhere in a different galaxy. He is God who tabernacles with us. He is the bread of life, the captain of our salvation, the cornerstone. He's the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Come on, somebody. He is a great high priest. He is our redeemer. He paid the price for us and he got us back and reconciled us unto him. He is the resurrection and the life. The only one to rise from the dead and live again. He is the rock. He is the rose of Sharon, light, vine, word of God. He's everything. Come on. He's the alpha and the omega. Jesus put it like this one time. He said, look, you know Moses. Moses was a great man. But before Moses was, I am. I am. Before he was, I am. That's what's wrapped up in the name Jesus. So the next time you call on the name Jesus, think about what you're saying. Think about what that name connotes. Think about the power and the backing that that name has. And then you tell me things that are impossible. Come on. That's why he said, with man it is impossible, but with God, come on, all things are possible. And Israel and the world waited for what was to come, for the prophecy to be fulfilled. Because one day Isaiah stood up and he said these words in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. He said, for unto us, he's prophesying now, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Now stop right there for a moment. I don't know if I ever understood the significance of that line right there. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. You see, that's the fullness of God coming in the flesh. Because to be born, he became flesh like us. Unto us a child is born, the flesh. But the deity was given. The child was born, but the son was given. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We got both the flesh and the deity all wrapped up in the name Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for a son being born just like me who was tempted on all counts, just like I am, who went through all the things that I go through. Oh, but thank you, Lord, 
for the deity given to the earth to redeem me, for perfect blood running through the veins of a man that was shed on a cross to redeem me, to pay for sins that were impossible for me to pay for. Thank you, Lord. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Just for a few more moments, I just want to deal with one of those. Mighty God. Mighty God. How many know Jesus is a mighty God? Somebody say mighty God. Oh, he's a mighty God. This is not just some Jesus that's just still in a manger somewhere or somewhere on a cloud floating around with just uh, everything is peaceful and blissful. No, he's a mighty God. Come on. I mean, we're talking about the almighty God. We're talking about the word of God. When Jesus came in a room, things changed. Come on. I mean, people were healed. Demons fled. This is Jesus that we're talking about. Here's what I'm talking about when I talk about mighty God. Mighty God is all-powerful, nothing left out of it. A force of unlimited authority. You cannot go above him. There will be no appeal. You can only appeal to him. There is none greater. He's all-powerful, a force of unlimited authority and influence. Unrestrained. You can't stop him. And infinite power, that means it never ends. Jesus has infinite power. Matthew one twenty one said, call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save your people. He will save people from their sins. This Hebrew word, Yeshua. That meant Jesus. Joshua, that meant Jesus, literally means the Lord is our salvation. You see, when Jesus was born, according to the tradition, he really should have been called John. Because his dad's name was John. Or Barjona, the son of John. But the angel said, no, we have a name already picked out, that has power. Why? Because he has a specific purpose, to save people from their sin. That's why his name will be, the Lord is our salvation. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed be the name of the Lord, because the Lord is our salvation. He is a great and mighty God. And there is nothing he can't do. He is a mighty God and he is interested in my life and your life. He is available to work in me and through me. And he is available to work in you and through you. He is a mighty God for me. He is a mighty God for you. Come on. He's available. And he loves you. The mighty God should change the way that you live and you think and you act. Getting this revel, Jesus is a revelation. Come on. 
You know, the book of Revelation, a lot of people mispronounce it, and that's okay. I'm not going to talk about you. But a lot of people just say Revelations. But if you really look at it, it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what that book is. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus is a revelation. Oh, he asked Peter, who do you think I am? Who do you say I am? Thou art the Christ. Well, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. He's a revelation. But my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. And upon this revelation, I will build my church. Jesus is the rock that we stand on. There is no church without Jesus. That's why it's so amazing to me. And maybe it's just me. Others can't see it. I understand it. You know, there's there's scales on your eyes if you don't have that revelation. But to say you have a church, a universal Unitarian, I'm going to call it out now because there's a lot of now. Universal Unitarian church is oxymoron. Because if Jesus ain't in it, it ain't a church. Come on. He's the rock. He started the church. He breathed the word church. Come on. Jesus is the church. The church is a person. And now it's people that he's in us. So if the name Jesus is not there, you don't have the right to call it church. Jesus is a mighty God. And because he's a mighty God, we need to change our thinking. Come on. And that's what I want this morning. There's nine mighty God life changers that I want to share with you. The mighty God should change the way you live, the way you think, the way you see, the way you act. Come on. Number one, because Jesus is a mighty God, I will now enlarge my prayers. Come on. We need to stop praying small. Well, Lord, maybe if you kind of would see fit in your infinite wisdom, I know I'm not worthy of it, and I know what I was thinking yesterday, and I know that thing I did last week, and before you know it, you're focusing on you and not him. He already knows what you did. He already knows your failures. Come on. There's nothing wrong with confessing them to him, but don't dwell on that. Get it out, repent, get up, and move on. The devil will want to keep you in a spot. And that's why the devil condemns you for those things. But the Holy Spirit convicts you unto change. We need to enlarge our prayers. Psalm 86.10, for you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Whatever you ask and believe. Mark eleven twenty four. 24. I was talking about this the other day with my wife. And this, this scripture, Mark eleven twenty two 22 to 24, is an interesting scripture. I've, I've heard people preach on it, and I've heard people talk about, well, you know, he said that, but that's not really what he meant. I mean, he, he really meant this, or he really kind of meant that. And, you know, one of the things that the Holy Spirit hit me with is, why don't you just take me at my word? Come on. I mean, the thing of it is, Jesus meant what he said. Sometimes we just don't understand what he meant. He meant what he said. Come on. 
Mark eleven twenty four in the New Living Translation says, I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you received it, it will be yours. Well, that sounds kind of funky. I, I don't know if I pray for anything. So if I pray for a new car, I'll just get that. If I pray for what? If I pray for a million dollars, that'll come to me. If I pray for this, that'll happen. Let me just couple that with another verse from James. Because I would love to take one verse out of the Bible and just be it and not read any more. I would love to do that. But how many know all of God's word is true? And I, I believe that scripture. I believe that when you pray, come on now, if you believe that you receive what you ask, you will have it. And he gave the example, just like, listen, you had the faith of a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, come on, how many have a mountain in their life? Go from here to there. James chapter 4. James addressed it like this because we look at it differently than God looks at it. He said, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet, you don't have because... Because you don't ask God for it. And when you do ask, you don't get it because your motives, New Living Translation, your motives are wrong. You only want, you only want what will give you pleasure, and that's it. Your motives are wrong. You only ask for what will only give you pleasure, and that's it. I like that particular version. I've studied a lot of different versions. Because a lot of people will read James and say, well, you're not supposed to ask for what will give you pleasure. And that's not what he said. He said your motives are wrong, and you ask for what will only... In other words, all you're thinking about is yourself. That's it. He didn't say don't pray that you would increase. But when all of your focus is only on you you're not going to receive what you ask for. That's why he says you ask amiss. Seek God, allow him to give you the desires of your heart. And when he does, he'll give you the desires of your heart. That way, when you pray, if you believe that you receive what you ask for, you will have it. Well, I, I don't now. does he really mean? I thought we were talking about the mighty God. We just agreed on that. We just agreed that we were talking about the mighty God. And impossible is nothing. All things are possible. Or can we uh, stop God from doing something? Well, our requirement is what? What did he say? When you pray, if you what? Believe. Believe is our requirement. That's why I am going to enlarge my prayers and believe what? What am I going to believe? Come on. His word. Believe his word. How am I going to know his word? I got to read his word. And I've got to pray. Come on. We're talking about the mighty God. He's spoken a word that's true. 
Whatever word comes out of God's mouth does not return to him and fall to the ground without first producing the fruit and fulfilling the purpose that it went out to fulfill. Now, I would think, knowing that, that you would then say, okay, well, what's your word? Because your word is true. I'm not going to make up stuff to pray for. I'm going to pray according to his word. When you pray, believe that you will receive what you ask and you will have it. But if you stand at the altar and you have something against your brother, go fix that first. Because God said, I don't want to talk to you. You got something in your heart against your brother. He said, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it will be opened to you. The problem that we have is that when we ask, when we seek and we knock, and it's not opened and it's not given right away, we stop knocking and we stop seeking and we stop praying. Now, you only have to ask the Lord one time. He heard your request. You don't have to continue to ask. I know that. But you can thank the Lord. Isaiah prophesied a thousand years before Jesus was born. But he said, now, un- now, to his words, now unto us a son is given. A child is born and a son is given. Well, let's take Isaiah's example and begin to thank the Lord. Come on. If it's according to his word, either his word is true or it's not. Another version says, that's why I urge you to pray for absolutely everything, ranging from small to large. Include everything as you embrace this God, as you embrace this God life, and you'll get God's everything. You know what we are? We are people sometimes who have limited prayers. We have limited thoughts. We have limited speech. We're just the limited edition. God is not a limited God. God is not only capable of doing everything, but God is everything. That's the revelation we need to get. Now, we've talked about it before when we talk about healing or deliverance and, and those type of things, that God performs these acts. But it's not just that God performs an act of healing or performs an act of deliverance. That's what and who he is. He is healing. He is deliverance. He is the mighty God. He is the possible. That's where we have to go. And so that's why we have to enlarge our prayers. Luke eleven nine. 9, so I say to you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. Matthew 18, 19, again, I say that if two of you agree on earth concerning how many things? Anything. It will be done by my Father in heaven. I'm trying to get you to see something this morning. Because I think some of us have in our mind, well, if I ask for that, I know that God uh, will do that. 
because that's right. Because what we do is we begin to pray and we, we, begin, to, we begin to look at God at, 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 based on our own experiences and what we've gone through. But God is so far outside of our own experiences and those things that we've gone through. He's saying, come up to where I am for a moment. Look at it from my perspective. Look at the heavens. Look at the universe. Look at the possibilities. And then you'll stop being the limited edition, but you'll be the possible edition. Come on. Need to change our thoughts. Enlarge our prayers. What's he going to say? Is he going to chastise you for praying and trying to understand? I believe the young lady this morning had a revelation. Come on. It's more than just, uh, oh, I was reading this and I saw that, so I want to share it. There's a revelation there. Some of us, we need to get a revelation. Come on. A revelation of that name Jesus. All that stuff we talked about, Lion of Judah, Rose of all of those things. We'll say it and we'll go, yes, amen. But when it comes to applying it to our life, knowing that the line of Judah is in you, come on. The rose of Sharon is in you. The mighty God, the wonderful counselor, prince of peace is in you. Oh, there's nothing that you can't do. Nothing. You can overcome all things. Jesus put it this way. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Why? Because you did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. He also said, in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. You're not going to ask me, but you're going to ask the Father. But the key, the window, the door, the unlocker, come on, is my name, the name of Jesus. Number two, because Jesus is the mighty God, I will enlarge my faith. I will, I will enlarge my faith. Remember, we don't have to ask God, for he's given it to us. Everyone was given the measure of faith. It's up to you to enlarge it. I got some muscles right here. It's true, Carrie. There's some muscles down in here. You can't see them. I know. But they're there. I don't need to ask the Lord for some stomach muscles. <laughs> but it's up to me. Come on. I might be doing the wrong thing, Carrie. It's up to me to work those things out. God's given you faith. Enlarge it. Enlarge it. 1 Corinthians 2, 5, that your faith should, should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the what? Power of God. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Power. Number three, because Jesus is the mighty God, I will do everything that he tells me. This is a revelation some of us need to get. Come on. Again, you know how God is. He does this thing where he says all, everything, everlasting. I mean, look, he goes for it. He leaves nothing out. 
I will do everything that he tells me to do. Remember the wedding of Cana? They were all there, ran out of wine. All they had were some water pots. It's about probably 180 gallons of water. And so Jesus said, go fill. His mother said, do whatever he says. She had the greatest revelation. Go fill up all the water pots. Now look, he said, to the brim. What is this? First of all, 180 gallons of water is heavy. I mean, there's only eight of us, and there's 180 gallons of water. So that's heavy. So what is this brim stuff? I mean, just fill it up. That'll be enough. Plus, when we walk, it's probably going to spill out anyway. Do you see how we try to reason stuff out when God tells you to do something? We, we reason things out on our own, and then we're going to do it the way we want to do it. But here's what we got to understand. The miracle is not in the water. The miracle is not in the wine. The miracle is not in the pots. The miracle is in the obedience in every situation. Come on. The miracle is not in the river that you need to dip yourself in seven. The miracle is not in the seven. Come on. Miracle is not in the clothes that you're wearing. The miracle is not in the time of day. The miracle is in the obedience. I told you to do it seven times and now. And if you do that, the miracle will happen. When will we get a revelation that the miracle is in the obedience? His mother said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Because Jesus is the mighty God, I will see my miracle supply. I will see my miracle supply. If you have a supply that you've gotten on your own, you don't have enough. You don't have the right amount. Your supply must come from the Lord for it to be sufficient. And it's a miracle supply. We must depend on him. You fill the water pots. You do your part and allow him to do his. The miracle wasn't in two fish and four loaves or five loaves or how many ever the story says. The miracle wasn't in bass or catfish or this kind of bread. The miracle wasn't even in when they gave it to Jesus. That's not the miracle yet. The miracle is when he said, now give it out. And they did. That's when it started to multiply. Because Jesus is the mighty God, I will see my miracle supply. Because Jesus is the mighty God, I will not let troubles discourage me. Come on. A lot of us need to get a revelation about this too. Look, trying times will come. Come on. The devil's going to throw things at you. And if he doesn't, people will. And if they don't, your family sure will. I'm not, I'm not prophesying negative. Come on. But y'all know what I'm talking about. Stuff just going to happen. I mean, there are things happen. It's, you know, it's a fallen world around us. We walk and live and breathe in the kingdom of God. 
But stuff happens around us. But I'm not going to let troubles discourage me. Why? Because Jesus is the mighty God. He's the one I serve. I have his DNA. Nehemiah said, now therefore our God, the great mighty, the awesome God who keeps covenant and mercy. Do not let all the troubles seem small before you that has come upon us. Our kings and our princes and our priests and our prophets, our fathers, and on all you people from the days of the king of Assyria until this day, we have a God who still sits on the throne. Don't worry about the troubles. Don't worry about the circumstances. The name of Jesus is greater than any of that. There are so many names. Come on. I mean, when you hear a name, there are some names when you hear it, it just frightens you. I remember watching boxing back in the, in the late 80s. And I remember seeing guys get in the ring and they looked like they were ready to fight. Until the guy said, in the other corner is Mike Tyson. I mean, just that name in boxing put fear into the other guy. Because they knew how powerful he was in the ring. All of a sudden, they start shaking. There are names when you go to the doctor that you hear that just scare you. I mean, if you go and they say, your ankle sprained, you say, well, okay, that's not that scary. I just wrap it up. I sit on the couch, and I see if Dietrich will bring me some iced tea. But if you hear cancer, All of a sudden, it makes you start shaking a little bit. Involuntary reaction. Or there might be someone in your family, when you hear their name, it just, I'd like to, come on, I might not be the only, maybe I'm the only one. Ah, give them one of these. Come on. Or two, three, four. That name just, it gets you. Come on. But I'm here to tell you this morning that there is a name that is greater than all of those names. Whether it's a disease, a circumstance, a person, it doesn't matter. There is a name that is given to us that is greater than all of those names, all of those circumstances, any troubles. Come on. Any sin. It's greater than that. It's greater than all of it. Number six, because Jesus is the mighty God, I will. Come on, we have to believe this. I will win the battles that I face. A lot of battles are lost because we believe we lost them. A lot of battles are lost because we want to give up. Maybe it's alcohol or drugs. Maybe it's whatever, that, that thing that so easily besets you. There's a million of them. We, we know. We've probably been through it in our life. Just something that easily besets you. That one thing, that, those two things, or ten, or I don't know what it is. Some things that just are roadblocks to us. And we've tripped up so many times that we now have turned into a country song. Or some blues song in Memphis. I've been down so long, I don't even think about getting up. Come on. 
But we must believe that we will win the battle, no matter how long we've been fighting it. Because my God is a mighty God. Number seven, because Jesus is the mighty God, I will see my mountains moved. Come on. I will see my mountains moved. Jesus said to them in Matthew 17, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, you have faith, if you have faith as a mustard seed. He was saying because of your unbelief, that thing didn't happen. But if you have a faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there. And this is, these are the words of Jesus now. Now just earlier, we said he was the mighty God. Come on. We said he was the truth. Some, some people clapped on that. Somebody agreed. He's the life. He's the way. He's able to do it all. We said that. Come on. I don't know if you, does anybody remember? We said it. These are his words, not mine. If you have faith and do not doubt, come on. If you say to this mountain, move from here to there, it will move. And nothing. So Jesus' words, I'm trying to get that across to you. Nothing will be impossible to you. So then we need to look, I know I certainly, we need to look in the mirror and say, why don't I believe that? What do you mean, why don't I? I, I believe it. I raised my hand and said, I believe it. Well, raising your hand and saying you believe it is not the same as believing it. <laughs> I'm talking about myself. Now, I ain't, I, you could, if the shoe fits, I'm not talking about you. I'm just looking in the mirror. Why don't I believe it? Because if I did, I would do everything he told me to do. I would walk it out. My speech would reflect it. My actions would reflect it. Even my thought life. Even those thoughts that come in there that are not like God, I would immediately bring them under the obedience of Christ. Because he is the mighty God, I will exchange my weakness for his strength. I know I can't do it, Lord. But if the Holy Spirit is in me, I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ. Christ, the spirit of the anointed one and his anointing. Christ who strengthens me. I will exchange my weakness, what I cannot accomplish, for his strength. Lord, you tell me what to do, and I'll do it. I want to be plugged into you. Fill me with your spirit. Give me your wisdom. Tell me every step I need to take, and I'll take it, and nothing will be impossible to me. Nothing will be impossible. You see, we make faith so complicated. What is faith? Oh, I have to say it seven times, and I, I can't just believe it. i got to really believe. And i, I got to make a face like this and go, God, no faith. Is that what faith is? <laughs> you know, faith really boils down to what Mary said. Whatever he says, do it. Just do that. Water turn into wine. Whatever he says, do it. 
I love the story of the taxes when they were asking the disciples and all that. Does, does your master pay taxes? I mean, does he pay taxes? And Jesus said, yeah, you know, pay taxes. And so he told Peter, he said, I'll tell you what, Peter, go fishing and fish the way I tell you and grab the money fish. The money fish comes up, you get the money out and give it to them for the taxes. Now, you know what people will do? They'll read that and they'll say, oh, I got a revelation. We need to start this movement called the money fish. And let's just go fishing. I believe God. I'm, I believe God for a money fish. I'm going to go fishing and uh, I just believe God's going to give me a money fish. And there's going to be all kind of money in that fish's mouth. But we have to get the revelation that the miracle is not in the fish. The miracle is not in the money. The miracle is in the obedience. What did God tell you to do? Then do that. You've got to stay in touch with him. His word is here and it's clear. What does his word say? Even when you're not, well, I just don't hear from God. I had a friend of mine who used to tell me that. All, I just, just seem like I don't hear from God. Do you read your Bible? Well, you know, every once in a while. But read your Bible. It's a more sure word of prophecy. You want something from the sky? Here. It came from the sky. It is your Bible. Read it. It's a more sure word of prophecy. Come on. You want a burning bush? Exodus. Turn right in there. You get it. It's in here. Come on. This is a more sure word of prophecy. God told us what to do. Do that. I'd start there. All right, lastly. Number nine, because Jesus is the mighty God, whew, I will, I will see my healing. Oh, come on. Some of us need to believe that. Because he is the mighty God, I will see my healing. Jesus told one man, stretch out your hand to be healed. He told it through two disciples, stretch out your, your hand to be healed. In the name of Jesus. Peter said, silver and gold, I do not have. King James says, have I none? But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. By stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Acts 3.16, in his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong. Whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him the perfect soundness in the presence of you all. You know, Jesus said very often, do you want to be healed? What kind of question is that? Do I want to be healed? Of course, Jesus, I want to be healed. 
Anybody tell me what his next words might be? What do you think he might say? Rise up. Come on, Michael. He's a son. Say it again. Believe. Do you believe? Because of your faith, your daughter is made whole. Because of your faith, you are made whole. Woman, where are your accusers? I don't see them, then neither do I accuse you. God is asking you this morning to believe.